0: It's terrifying to think that he needed next steps, and we weren't certain he was going to get it.
1: Tonight, the new signs of a health care system in disarray, and a mother's desperation to save the life of her child. Good evening, we begin with a story highlighting a severe problem people across the province are facing, and a terrifying chain of events for members of one GTA family.
2: Their infant child gasping for air due to illness was moments away from being shipped to the U.S. for care. All because of our overrun hospitals. CTV's Mike Walker has our top story tonight.
3: This is heart-wrenching video of a parent's worst nightmare. A two-year-old Oakville boy with RSV fighting for oxygen.
0: He just was struggling so much to take a breath. You could see through his sweater and through, you know, his blankets that his chest and stomach were elevating huge.
3: Carrie Graham says her son Tyler's condition quickly deteriorated after they rushed him to their local hospital.
0: His oxygen levels were so low. It appeared they thought that the um, machine was actually broken.
3: Two days later, Graham says doctors were scrambling to find a pediatric ICU bed somewhere in the province. At one point, doctors were prepared to transfer Tyler to a hospital across the border.
0: After two rounds and no beds available across Ontario, uh, that's when they discussed that the only option is now they're going to call Buffalo. Then,
3: at the last minute, a bed became available 150 kilometres away in London. To...
0: Know that the system is there and trust that it'll be there for you when you need it, which is hopefully never. And then to be there and hearing it may not be able to support you is terrifying.
3: Tyler spent nearly two weeks at the London Hospital where he was on a ventilator.
0: Are you feeling better? Yeah.
3: His condition did improve and Tyler was discharged on October 28th, his third birthday.
0: I love you, Tyler. That was the first day that morning that we had seen him without oxygen masks.
3: Ontario hospitals have seen a recent surge in pediatric ICU admissions and have been operating over capacity. The health minister responding to Tyler's case today.
4: That uh, patient
5: that you're referring to actually did get care in the province of Ontario. Currently, there are
3: 114 children in the ICU, two more than the maximum the system can handle.
5: We've actually
0: increased capacity in the province of Ontario by 30%. We got into this RSV surge at the beginning of it. I had to fight then, so I can't even imagine what's happening right now in the hospital.
3: Now back at home in Oakville, Graham says her son is recovering well. When asked today, provincial health officials didn't specify how far children requiring ICU beds could be transferred. Graham says she's sharing her son's story to make parents aware of the RSV symptoms. Mike Walker, CTV News, Oakville.
2: Not only did the province's health minister deflect over the plight of little Tyler Graham. She's also pressing back against the state of Ontario's hospitals.
1: Sylvia Jones saying today the Ford government is making improvements, but there are many critics who believe otherwise right now. CTV's Sean Leithong is following the story for us tonight and joins us live. Sean.
3: Well, Zoraida,
6: Nathan, Sylvia Jones saying that parents should be confident that their kids will get the health care they need when they need it. But parents I spoke to today said they see the reality on the ground. They're worried and they want the government to do more. They're the faces most affected by the crisis in healthcare. A group of mothers with their babies at Queen's Park to, in their words, stand up for those who can't yet stand.
7: I am scared. I have two older children, ages four and two, and, uh, you know, they're going to school and daycare. And I'm worried that they could bring uh, respiratory virus home to my newborn, and, uh, and she won't be protected and she won't get the care that she needs.
6: This group of parents making a small statement, but the reality of now has even kept some from this group at home.
8: There's about 60 of us, and probably 10 of them right now are too sick to come, so there's pictures everywhere of the babies that couldn't be with us.
6: As pediatric ICUs have swelled with patients, this group is asking for stronger public health measures, universal masking, and investment in health care, something interim liberal leader John Frazier agrees with, saying his daughter once suffered from respiratory distress as a young child.
9: And there's no
10: more difficult feeling as a parent that I can remember than not seeing our daughter be able to catch her breath and this is what's happening to hundreds if not thousands of parents in hospitals and in homes across ontario and the government has no plan
5: i am pleased to announce that our government is investing 182 million dollars
10: this
6: morning health minister sylvia jones announcing funding for basic upgrades to health care facilities also pointing to a five billion dollar commitment to health care for the future of ontario saying parents should remain confident in the system while putting the focus on family doctors.
5: We need to make sure that primary care uh, practitioners are seeing their patients before
7: they have to go to an emergency department or a hospital.
6: Samantha Green, who is also a family doctor, says...
7: I know it's not the truth. I mean, the wait times are, are insane right now. Like 12 hours to see a doctor in the emergency department.
6: When asked how many kids are currently in pediatric ICUs in Ontario, Jones did not give a number. And she also pointed to the fact that SickKids and CHEO up in Ottawa have managed to increase their capacity at ICUs in the recent days. Reporting live, I'm Sean Neethong. Nathan, I'll send it back to you.
2: All right, thank you, Sean. Still ahead, blame Canada. Why some pharmacies in the U.S. are pointing the fingers at their neighbors to the north for the recent shortage in cold and flu meds. We'll have that story for you a little later this hour.
1: Well, the province also under fire and on the offensive over its contract dispute with Ontario's education workers.
2: The two sides are no closer to reaching a deal tonight, while the deadline to a strike quickly approaching. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now. Siobhan.
5: Well, the government and CUPE have committed to continuing to talk through a mediator right through the weekend, but we are coming to crunch time to avoid a strike on Monday. member will take a seat. The noise level in question period turned up as the opposition pushed the government on education funding. It was the last question period before a potential strike by 55,000 educational support workers.
6: The minister says his offer is generous but it doesn't keep up with inflation, let alone let them get ahead. We said we would increase pay, $335 million more this week compared to last week, a material improvement for every worker especially if the lowest paid, and they've still rejected the offer.
5: In bargaining, CUPE has been pushing to improve what it calls chronically low wages.
11: But it has also been about the services in schools. Uh, And what we're trying to do is reestablish funding that was in our last round of bargaining uh, that actually secures work in schools.
5: Securing jobs for custodians, early childhood educators, and educational assistants.
11: One adult is working with over 20, sometimes 25 children. We have kids with special needs where their parents are sitting in their cars in the parking lot to make sure that they can be
5: available to help their child. When the opposition raised supports for kids with special needs in the legislature.
6: If we're going to uh, highlight stories of the impact on children with special education needs and I'd hope the member opposite would accept that that child who depends on routine should be in school on Monday
9: and they should not be out of school
5: again in a memo to directors of education obtained by ctv news the ministry instructs boards to activate contingency plans to minimize disruption to students parents and guardians in the event of a strike at the province's biggest board schools will be closed
11: We will be flipping to synchronous online learning on the first day uh, for as many students as possible.
5: CUPE says the union and government have agreed to a 5 p.m. Sunday deadline to reach a deal to give parents and caregivers time to make plans. CUPE stresses that it doesn't mean that talks can't continue past 5 o'clock or that either side will push away from the table at 5. Again, they just want to give moms and dads as much time as possible to make alternative arrangements for Monday should there be a strike. Reporting live from Queens Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you.
2: All right. Thank you, Siobhan.
1: We are live above the city tonight, a chilly, slippery day on our roads and sidewalks. Commuters can expect more of the same come tomorrow. Michelle Jobin is here now with a look at our current conditions. Uh, Still feeling like winter out there, Michelle.
8: It absolutely is Zoraida and really not uh, rebounding much at all in terms of temperature until we get early next week. In fact a little bit colder for the next few days. Looking at our satellite and radar right now, we're definitely expecting some flurries through the GTA in the next little while. Heavier snow off to the north and west of us and we have lots to talk about coming up. I'll show you some watches and warnings that are in place for the next little while for areas outside the GTA. Winds out of the west now 20 kilometers an hour that's definitely adding to how cold things feel you're going to knock off a significant amount of degrees for the wind chill so two degrees at the islands feeling like minus three one feeling like minus four at pearson and these are the snow squall watches we'll talk about coming up up to 60 centimeters of snow through the weekend for some parts of southern ontario back to you
2: all right thank you michelle a disturbing discovery north of our city tonight. More than a dozen puppies now in the care of Markham officials.
8: They
1: are the subject of an animal cruelty investigation in the region that has led to two arrests. Here's our John Musselman with the story.
9: Investigators say it all began when a resident came forward about buying a puppy last December that turned out to have allegedly fraudulent vaccination records. York Regional Police executed a search warrant at this Markham home on Castleview Crescent. That's where they discovered more than a dozen puppies in four cages
12: unfortunately we located uh, 16 very cute tiny little puppies that were left in just awful conditions um, i saw some photos of the uh, inside of this and it was just absolutely devastating that an animal was put in these
9: kinds of situations police say the puppies are being cared for by markham animal services and they are recovering investigators say the ads were posted online puppies for sale from 700 right up to 1500 dollars each Officers also seized evidence related to fraud and the forgery of vaccination records. Investigators say this is another example of why you need to do your homework before buying a pet online.
12: The reason that these suspects are, are doing something like this is because they're making a profit. Uh, so we really don't want to see something like this being profitable for anybody who's going to put animals in these types of situations. So it's, it's really worth it to do your homework and to know who you're going with. So whether you're using a reputable breeder or a, a shelter that you know you're comfortable with and you know what the circumstances are.
9: Two people have been charged in this case. 42-year-old Alicia Charles, charged with unnecessary pain and suffering or injury to an animal, fraud, and disobeying a court order. And 20-year-old Isaiah Charles, also charged with pain and suffering or injury to an animal and forgery. Neighbors near the home didn't want to appear on camera, but they tell CTV News they could smell the dogs, including the urine and feces in the backyard. John Musselman, CTV News in Markham.
2: Still ahead, Sky High, the latest information for families about soaring food prices gobbling up your savings ahead of the holidays. We'll have that story for you in just a few minutes.
1: Toronto police have identified the man who died in Tuesday's quadruple shooting in Parkdale. Police were called to a community housing building on Dunn Avenue near Queen and Dufferin. They say 23-year-old Abel Geim was shot and killed. A 19-year-old man, a 22-year-old man and a 44-year-old woman in- were injured in the shooting and are expected to survive. Investigators have said they are searching for multiple su- suspects.
2: Also today, Toronto police say they made the largest single-day drug bust in the service's history. Investigators seized 671 kilograms of narcotics comprised of crystal meth and cocaine. The drugs were seized from a stash house in October and have a street value of about $58 million.
1: And provincial police say they have seized nearly $1 million worth of illegal cannabis and other drug products. This follows an investigation into an alleged distribution network. Search warrants were executed in London and Woodstock. Cash, other valuables and a sawed-off shotgun were also seized. Five suspects face drug trafficking and other charges. Well, authorities are once again stepping up their efforts to keep impaired drivers off our roads this holiday season.
2: The OPP, along with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, kicked off their annual ride camp Pain, delivering a message of why it's so important to stay sober while behind the wheel.
12: We went upstairs and we had what is his parents' worst nightmare, to see that police officer standing in the door that night. And that police officer was there to tell us that Rob, who we thought was visiting, would actually never be coming home again, because that police officer was there to tell us that Rob had been killed about an hour before. And he came to deliver that news and also to take us to the hospital. There is not one single day that goes by that I don't miss my son, that I just could pick up the phone and hear his voice just once more. And we'll never have the opportunity to do that.
2: Mad Canada's Carolyn Swinson lost her son to a drunk driver in 1993. That tragedy, adding to the pain of the loss of her father a decade earlier, also the victim of an alcohol-related crash. The ride campaign, which includes roadside spot checks, runs from today until January 2nd. A tense conversation between the prime minister and the president of China at the G20, still making waves on the international stage.
1: Beijing is now weighing in on the incident as world leaders continue high-level meetings in Thailand. CTV's Annie Bergeron Oliver has more from Bangkok.
13: A day after the Chinese president confronted Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the G20 and accused him of acting inappropriately by sharing details of Tuesday's 10-minute meeting with the press, China is striking back, offering its own amped-up narrative. I don't think it's a threat, a spokesperson for China's foreign ministry said. It's both sides reflecting their respective positions. Experts say it's likely the Prime Minister's position condemning allegations China interfered in Canadian elections is what angered Xi in the first place. Today China denied those claims and blamed Canada for the difficult relations in recent years. It's important to have dialogue with China on issues that are uh, difficult sometimes. The G20 summit may now be done but the leaders aren't yet done with each other just yet. Both are attending the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in Thailand, where the host country considers China's in-person presence enormous.
7: It's important that bigger economies like China will have a, a role in the conversation.
13: At APEC, Canada will be looking to focus less on China and more on other partners. The Prime Minister today held bilateral meetings with the President of Chile and the Prime Minister of Thailand. Both countries in the Indo-Pacific region, the Prime Minister is actively trying to court while also trying to take business and money away from China.
3: Is this really uh, a strategy that, that has some weight to it? I mean, we've seen a lot of kind of false starts on an Indo-Pacific strategy.
13: The trade minister says businesses need to know the risks of investing in China, and she says the potential for consequences is why Canada is prioritizing the diversification of trade in the region. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Bangkok, Thailand.
2: A Dutch court has convicted two Russians and a Ukrainian separatist in connection with the downing of a passenger jet in 2014. The court found the accused guilty of the murders of 298 people on Malaysia Airlines flight MH17 over Ukraine. The presiding judge said evidence proved the plane was brought down by a Russian missile fired by pro-Moscow fighters. They were convicted even though they were not actually in court. Russia's foreign ministry accused the court of neglecting principles of impartiality.
1: Meanwhile, today, Russia launched more missile strikes on cities and infrastructure across Ukraine. video shows the moment a rocket hit a building in Dnipro. A government official says 14 people were injured in the attack. Elsewhere, four people were killed when a Russian missile hit a city called Vilniansk. Explosions were also heard today in Odessa and the capital, Kiev.
2: And Poland's president visited the border town, which was hit by a missile earlier this week. Two people were killed when the projectile landed. Andrzej Duda repeated NATO's conclusion the missile was fired by Ukraine. To defend against Russian strikes. But he said it was clear the incident was an accident. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has said he disagrees with the findings as the investigations continue.
1: That war in Ukraine has been a factor in the soaring food prices along your grocery aisles.
2: The sticker shock has been relentless over the recent months, but tonight there are some signs it could finally ease. CTV's Beth McDonnell has been looking into this for us and joins us now. Beth.
4: Nathan, there are signs of optimism with these sky high food prices at the grocery store, but we are not out of the woods yet. Food inflation is still very high. Specials. For Cliff Hewitt, grocery shopping is all about finding ways to save.
9: $1.49. The chicken's cheaper, you know.
4: So looking for deals.
9: Mm hmm. Yep. You have to. Nobody can afford this kind of stuff.
4: Food inflation has cooled slightly, from 11.4% last month to 11% this month. But prices remain stubbornly high, with some items far exceeding that average rate. Compared to a year ago, margarine is up 40%, up 3% in one month. Pasta products are 27% more, and the cost of butter, dairy, and eggs keeps ballooning. While other items are still getting much more expensive they're doing so at a slower pace. The price of coffee and tea, down from 16% in September to 13% in October. The cost of fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, fish and meat are still going up, just not as drastically. In 40 years of business here at Sun Valley Market, I'm told they've never seen prices increase so much so quickly. On a positive note, the store believes we're close to the inflationary peak.
3: I actually do think that things are coming down.
4: Sylvain Charlebois studies food distribution. One good sign, he says, is because food inflation has dropped for the first time in more than a year. Another, some of the items with the biggest price hikes, like margarine and lettuce, he says, either won't increase again for the foreseeable future or are up temporarily.
3: Your market conditions are easier to manage for grocers and manufacturers. Uh, delays are, are much shorter now across the supply chain. Ukraine, the uh, grain pack uh, will be ongoing for the winter, which is amazing news.
4: But many shoppers are not convinced the situation is improving.
12: No, I'm sure it's just gonna get worse as inflation takes over. Excessive spending leads to inflation, and um, there we go.
11: It's getting worse. You know, we can't afford that prices. As international students, that is so much uh, difficult for us to. Do you think
9: it's getting any better? No, it's not. Maybe for vegetables, get the uh, frozen vegetable. It's much cheaper. Damage is almost
4: $88. Mom of three, Saida Badul, would like to see more done to ease food inflation, but is seeing a small improvement. Hopefully, I think so, it will be get more better. It is better, but not that much. A reality leaving many wondering when stubbornly high prices will really come down at the grocery store. Charlebois expects consumers to continue to be shocked by prices at the grocery store for a while. He says this is a global phenomenon and he doesn't see any significant relief coming until the end of next year. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Nathan, back to you. All
2: right, thank you, Beth. There's a new initiative in the province tonight to help ease the labour shortage by encouraging inclusivity. Still ahead, the story and the people behind Employable.
1: Well, there was also a major jump last month in a key expense for many homeowners. Stats Canada reporting mortgage interest costs rose by 11.4% in October. That marked the largest increase since February of 1991 when the index went up by 11.7%. Economists say the higher costs are the result of more Canadians renewing their mortgages at higher rates.
2: The Vatican's getting ready for the holiday season with the arrival of its official Christmas tree. The 26-meter-high tree was positioned in St. Peter's Square today. The 62-year-old pine came from central Italy, and just like each year in the past, a nativity scene will be assembled around it in the weeks to come. There's still a lot of decoration to do before the official tree lighting on December 3rd. Final decorations have been placed in one of our city's biggest pines.
1: The centerpiece of the distillery district's winter village is being lit up tonight ahead of the holiday season. That's where we find our John Woodward. Right now, John.
14: Yeah, right. It's no exaggeration to say there are thousands of people here singing along the Christmas carols, holding each other to stay warm, dancing and of course holding up their phones to take a picture of this. Let me get out of the way. You can see it. It's the centerpiece, the tree a 15 meter tall white screws from Brand- Bancroft, Ontario. 500 hours to decorate with what they tell us are 70,000 lights that cover it from top to bottom waiting to see the unofficial launch of the Christmas season in Toronto. So you got a countdown clock here also that shows 38 days until Christmas. I think the crowd here would say, why wait? There are treats and gifts for sale in the district and lights. And a, and a few moments ago, there was also a ceremony where the mayor and Santa lit the tree uh, for a festival that was cancelled in 2020 and only opened to limited capacity last year. This is a momentous uh, moment uh, for the organizers who say this is the first time it's been full strength for years
13: oh
15: my gosh like who doesn't first of all love christmas one number two for us to come back after the last couple years that we've had and launch at full capacity everything's going you can come back check out the sights the sounds and obviously have fun with your family and friends right because that's really what the holidays are for
16: what keeps you coming back um it's just the vibe yeah just the feeling like it's nice to see the christmas decorations and drink hot chocolate and listen to music
14: it was free to come in tonight. That's probably why you see so many people here. The next night, it's going to be $11 a visit. But when you think about it, per light on that Christmas tree, that is actually very reasonable. And when you add in access to uh, all the small businesses selling their wares, well, you can get into those stores for free. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you.
1: Thank you, John. Coming up, expanding alcohol serving hours for the World Cup. Toronto's mayor is behind the boozy plan, but why some business owners say the city should have gotten the ball rolling sooner.
17: And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, road rage is a problem on highways in the GTA, and many incidents happen after an argument between drivers. A new survey looks at some of the most common aggressive driving infractions and where they're happening most often. I'll have that story that's just ahead
8: Looking ahead to the weekend, there's lots happening, including the Santa Claus Parade, so I wanted to highlight how things were playing out for your forecast for Sunday. Flurries, a high of just minus one, feeling like minus seven with the wind chill. so you'll want to bundle up if you're going out to see Santa and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV.
1: 315 people died on Ontario roads last year and 81 deaths were related to high-speed crashes and aggressive driving.
2: When motors drive aggressively, it also increases the chances they could be involved in a road rage incident. Pat Forn has our story on Consumer
17: Alert. Pat. Nathan and Zreida, already this year there have been almost 50,000 tickets handed out to Ontario drivers and many of the infractions are in the aggressive driving category police say people who are tailgating and speeding are more likely to have a road rage incident. It can happen in seconds.
9: Oh, oh my god. Oh my god, he drove right into him. On the police, on the
17: police. An altercation police! with another driver can turn to words and escalate to violence. The OPP says it's happening too often. We get complaints from the public on a
14: regular basis. Uh regarding road rage. Either they're following, tailgating, uh, or just trying to bait someone into some sort of uh, interaction with
17: another motorist. My choice, an insurance comparison website, just looked at driving behaviors most likely to lead to a road rage incident.
11: You're never going to walk away from a road rage incident and be like, that was a great idea. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I said something.
17: Aggressive driving infractions which could lead to an argument with another driver includes speeding, failure to stop, failure to stop, signal improper lane change improper passing following too closely and distracted driving or using a handheld device all of these violations are dangerous and they can also cause your insurance premiums
11: to go up your insurance rates could go up anywhere from five to ten percent and then your second infraction could raise them 10 to 15 percent and then if you get too many tickets uh you know your license could get suspended The ten
17: cities with the most aggressive driving infractions, North York, Hamilton, Brampton, Mississauga and Scarborough, followed by Brantford, Etobicoke, Toronto, Kitchener and London. Another reason to slow down, winter weather has arrived and you can avoid accidents.
14: Share the road. If someone wants to get by you, move to the right, let them pass. Use your signals, turn your full headlighting systems on and drive in a manner that isn't going to cause anxiety and stress and frustration for other people you're sharing the road with.
17: Yeah, one of the most common reasons for road rage is following too closely to another vehicle or tailgating. This can lead to brake checking when the other driver stops abruptly, which could lead to an altercation. On your side, I'm Pat Forring.
10: If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca.
1: New York's governor has declared a state of emergency in several counties near the Canadian border as a dangerous snowstorm approaches.
12: Be ready for the worst. Have plenty of food in the refrigerator and be ready to check in on your neighbors. Governor Kathy
1: Hochul urged residents to stay home and off the roads unless absolutely necessary. Buffalo could get more than a metre of snow by Sunday. This weekend's Bills game against Cleveland has already been relocated to Detroit.
2: Of course, the question, will any of that come here?
1: Yeah, hopefully not. Although Buffalo, Niagara area, notorious for getting the
8: heavy snow squalls. Yes, and the the system is certainly not bound by the borders of of geography. Mm -hmm. So what we are looking at is this seeping over into southern Niagara region. And it's sort of a classic snow squall setup for that area, for Kingston, Prince Edward County, and also for areas to the north. So I'm going to show you what we're going to see. But we're not looking at the squalls here in the GTA. Just flurries, but still cold. So, we'll break all this down for you. Uh, weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. So, let's take a look at temperatures just quickly. We are at one degree, feeling like minus four. And these cooler temperatures all sort of play in. We do, yes, have a system that is moving up from the south. But what's really going to drive higher snowfall totals in parts of New York State, yes, and also southern Ontario is winds out of the southwest, along with the system, over the Great Lakes. So we have colder air traveling over the relatively warmer waters of the Great Lakes. And this is a classic scenario for snow squalls and lake effects. So what we're looking at in accumulation, yes, heavy, heavy amounts we're seeing, especially southern Niagara region, in and around the Great Bruce Peninsula, Kingston, Prince Edward, a little less for you, but still 20 to 30. So these are the snow squall watches and warnings that are in place from tonight through till Sunday. Yes, through till Sunday, and I'll show you when we look at our forecast radar just exactly how this will play out. So I want everyone to be sort of vigilant about this, because if you're driving in any of these areas, you can see visibility completely reduced in seconds by these squalls. We do also have some active weather tonight, especially to the south and west of us, but we hear some flurries in the GTA, and we'll see that through the overnight period. So I want to show you on our systems how this is playing out. Area of low pressure moving in, but it's these winds over the lake you can directly make those out uh, as you see that snow, that snow enhancement over the water. The lakes are relatively warm right now. They're not frozen over, and this is what happens. This this is The system moves over, picks up moisture, and dumps it on the other side. So this is how you get that effect. So looking here, a little bit of snow for Niagara tonight. We get these really persistent streamers setting up off the lakes as we get into the next day throughout Friday. And then watch what happens on Saturday. This squall drifts to the north, right over the southern Niagara region, really extending over in across Lake Ontario. and We see that through areas like Coburg, over towards Peterborough. And then again, yes, for Kingston, Prince Edward, and not to mention Muskoka, uh, Grey Bruce, areas like that, Perry Sound, Barrie, Orillia. Minus two tonight with those flurries feeling like minus eight. It'll feel like minus nine first thing in the morning. Tomorrow, a high of just two degrees with flurries. And minus three is our wind chill. Uh, and this isn't going to be much better in terms of temperature for the weekend. Minus two is our high for Saturday quite cold in the morning, minus four overnight to Sunday. Santa Claus Parade at minus one with flurries, feeling like minus seven. We start to rebound only slightly in terms of temperature as we get into next week and more sunshine. Back to you, Nathan.
2: All right. Thanks, Michelle. Well, we had our first taste of wintry weather, and today the city outlined its plan for clearing roads, sidewalks and bike lanes. Officials say it includes a fleet of more than 1,400 pieces of equipment. Officials say they're confident they'll be able to respond to whatever the season has in store.
14: We're also using enhanced weather predicting uh, technology. Uh, We have uh, road temperature sensors on our salt vehicles and we use a road weather information system. These are weather stations that are located across the city that provide us with the data that tell us exactly the road temperature the air temperature and so forth that we were able to use and then we coordinate our uh, our deployment according to those conditions
2: the city says residents can call 311 if an area hasn't been cleared 14 to 16 hours after a storm Arguably, there are few things in life that go better together than suds and soccer.
1: But for local fans watching the first round of this year's World Cup, cheers with beers may need to be swapped out for a morning cup of Joe. Our host Austin Delaney explains why.
15: Cafe Diplomatico in Little Italy, a magnet for soccer fans during Euro and World Cup soccer matches. Even though Italy did not qualify for this World Cup, soccer fans will still converge and watch Canada and other countries compete in Qatar. But there is a big time difference from the host country in the Middle East, meaning some matches will start as early as 4.30 in the morning, and many at 8 a.m., an hour before the bars can legally serve liquor. The mayor wants to change that. We always had intended to do something about the morning hours and and the decision that's being recommended to council by me, uh, which will be voted on next week, is to do it uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Soccer fans happy they can get a little more than a cup of coffee at 8 a.m. during World Cup. I I like to have a Caesar in the morning. Uh, Usually I wait till 9, but uh, being able to have one a little bit earlier, uh, enjoy some soccer, Uh, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime thing, so uh, why not? It's good for the city. It's good for business.
9: It's a great idea. It just celebrates the multiculturalism you know, it gets a chance to do something
15: interesting with their city. Well, a good corner again, Atiba! As Canada defeated Japan 2-1 in a morning friendly today, the owner of the cafe Diplomatico complained the mayor's motion is too little, too late. The World Cup kicks off Sunday, November 20th at 11 a.m. The motion to extend drinking hours does not go to council until Wednesday, the 24th. Temporary drinking hours extended the next morning.
17: If we're going to take advantage of the early serving time, uh, it should start on the 21st because, again, the first round of the World Cup has early starting, uh, early, early games. There's 5 a.m. and 8 a.m. But after the 28th of November, all the games will be at 10 a.m. and later.
15: Monday, the 21st, the popular England team takes on Iran at 8 a.m. our time. The cafe owner worried that fans will stay home and watch it there where they can open a beer at the start of the match. Austin Delaney, CTV News.
2: TSN and CTV are official broadcasters of FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. You can catch all the action starting Sunday, November
10: 20th. Back to Ben. For Tavares, losing the slot in, shoot, scores!
1: And the Leafs will look for their third straight win tonight when they host the New Jersey Devils. Toronto is coming off a 5-2 victory over the Penguins on Tuesday. The Devils, though, are on a 10-game win streak. The puck drops at 7.
2: Just ahead, bad blood between Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift fans while the website is shutting down ticket sales for Swift's upcoming tour. Fans, even politicians, not willing to shake it off, expressing outrage.
1: Welcome back. A recent spike in overdose deaths has officials across the region very troubled tonight.
2: Here's CTV's health reporter Pauline Chan with the warning from officials and what you need to know about the concern.
16: At least 15 suspected opioid related deaths in Toronto since mid-October, including three different occurrences reported by Toronto paramedics, where there were at least five fatal calls within a four-day period. November
7: 9th and 14th, which was uh, the time period that Toronto Public Health reached out to us for, we'd seen an increase in the benzodiazepine contamination of expected fentanyl samples. We had seen an increase in the amount of fentanyl presenting in expected fentanyl samples. Um, And we'd also seen an increase in the presence of carfentanil um, in expected fentanyl samples.
16: The Toronto Drug Checking Service anonymously tests drug samples and sometimes even equipment sent in by illicit drug users through five harm reduction centres across the city.
7: Samples are are divided and brought to each of the labs for analysis where they're analysed using um, gas chromatography
16: and liquid chromatography, mass spectrometry. Results return in about a day. They have two labs, one at St. Mike's and one at CAMH and Haley Thompson's Says the increasing presence of the sedative benzodiazepine presents a particular problem. It
7: complicates overdose presentations, um, especially for our colleagues in the community, because um, you know you may be able to treat the opioid overdose with naloxone, but you're not able to treat the
16: benzodiazepines with naloxone. And- naloxone is the nasal spray or injection used to reverse an opiate overdose. The message from public health to users is to never use alone or consider calling the national overdose response. Service at 1 688 6677 if you have to be alone and get an naloxone kit.
7: In, in the absence of a regulated supply, we're not going to be able to know what people are using, um, and therefore, services like drug checking are really important so that people can make informed decisions. Pauline Chan,
16: CTV News.
2: A team of U.S. researchers has reported a breakthrough discovery in efforts to prevent deadly overdoses. Scientists at the University of Houston say they developed a vaccine that counteracts the effects of fentanyl. They say the vaccine stops the drug from getting into the brain and could protect people who are exposed to the drug inadvertently. Fentanyl is responsible for thousands of overdose deaths each year.
1: The TTC is lifting its COVID-19 vaccination mandate for staff. The requirement will come to an end on November 27th, and that will pave the way for more than 350 terminated employees to get their jobs back.
2: Taylor Swift fans across the U.S. are facing a new wave of disappointment as tickets to her upcoming tour become a precious commodity. Many fans struggled to secure tickets in this week's presale. Ticketmaster says Swift broke all of its all time records for ticket sales sold by an artist in a single day, more than 2 million. The company now says its site can't handle the demand and there aren't enough tickets left. So sales won't open up to the public tomorrow as scheduled.
1: Drake and 21 Savage are out with a new music video, apparently filmed by Drake himself.
17: Can you do something for me?
1: Drake has been spotted with a camcorder in recent weeks. In the music video for Rich Flex, he takes viewers uh, a glimpse of behind the scenes parties, his meetups with fellow celebrities, and even a few seconds on the court with the Toronto Raptors and coach Nick Nurse. Rich Flex was the first track on Drake in 21 Savage's album, Her Loss.
10: Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy.
9: Who's better? Nobody.
1: Still ahead, road tripping for kids' cold and flu medication, why Canadians may be partly to blame for a shortage south of the border.
11: We will be flipping to synchronous online learning on the first day uh, for as many students as possible.
1: Talks between the union representing 55,000 education workers and the province continue with a strike deadline fast approaching. Low pay and understaffing remain key issues for workers.
12: I saw some photos of the uh, inside of this and it was just absolutely devastating that an animal was put in these kinds of situations.
2: An animal cruelty investigation led York Regional Police to discover over a dozen allegedly abused puppies being sold online. The puppies are now being cared for by Markham Animal Services. Two people have been charged.
0: He just was struggling so much to take a breath. You could see through his sweater and through you know, his blankets that his chest and stomach were elevating huge. And
1: pediatric ICUs pushed to the brink nearly sends one Oakville mother outside of Canada for treatment for her infants.
2: As we've reported here on CTV News Toronto, some families are also going the extra distance to find children's flu medicines, even crossing into the U.S.
1: But as CTV's Rich Garton reports, there is concern tonight that Canadians may be partly to blame for a shortage south of the border.
11: Many drugstore shelves in Windsor are bare of children's medicine. Supply chain problems get the blame. The federal government announcing imports are on the way from Australia and the U.S. to supply pharmacies for several months. So that children and their families can have access to those drugs in the very short time and therefore will be keep working on longer term solution to these shortages. Today, people aren't waiting. They're just crossing the border. That's what Nathan France of Windsor did while stateside at a convention.
13: I had family call me, um, my neck and request uh, children's Tylenol for my nephew.
11: France stopped off at a CVS on his way back from Detroit Metro Airport. He scooped up some off-brand medication as all the name brand product was already gone.
13: It was crazy. (laughs) It's crazy to be in that position. And my uh, family is very, very stressed about the um, whole situation. Obviously, it's not ideal to have a young child and... If they get sick, what do you do, right?
11: And so CTV made a quick trip stateside to Detroit to see what's stocked at pharmacies. At the Walgreens on Jefferson Avenue East, no children's pain, fever, or cough liquid product. The Rite Aid down the street had a few packs of liquid Tylenol and Advil, but stock was scant. Here at the CVS Pharmacy on Jefferson Avenue, there's not a single bottle of infant liquid Tylenol on the shelf. The manager at the store says Canadians have been coming over Even calling ahead to see if there's any product available, and the answer is usually no. Managers at all three stores confirming Canadians are coming in and buying up the product in bulk. There are currently no restrictions on how many you can purchase. All this while hospitals are filling up with pediatric patients. On Thursday, Windsor Regional Hospital was down to 17 pediatric patients from a Monday high of 23. Hospital officials noting they have supply of children's meds and are monitoring the situation. Rich Garton, CTV News.
2: After the break, a new tool connecting job seekers with Down syndrome, with employers tapping into a valuable resource and an underrepresented part of the workforce.
1: Finally tonight, an inspiring story about one organization's efforts to tackle the labor shortage with inclusivity.
2: The initiative is focused on creating jobs for people with Down syndrome. And it's a first of its kind in this
10: country. Here's CTV's Andrew Brennan. Yeah. Ah. Three days a week, Jessica Rotolo works at Centennial Infant and Child Center. She herself can best sum up her qualifications.
7: I am smart. I am resourceful. I am always on time.
10: But when she first got the job, she thought it was to volunteer until her boss asked her for her bank info.
7: I was so happy that it was a paid job because I need money. To move out of my house and live on my own. I love you with all my
5: heart and soul and thank you for choosing me to be your mom.
10: She's also an advocate for people with Down syndrome and an artist with socks on sale around the world to help the cause.
5: Everything that she has accomplished in her life, at 24 I was not even close to doing the things that she has done. So we just are so proud. Her
10: employer says Jessica and other employees they have hired show the parents of the children with special needs that they care for what the future can be and they can be relied on.
8: Nobody's called in sick. They're always on time. They stay until the end and they do the tasks that have been assigned to them very, very well.
10: While Jessica has found paid work, that is a challenge for many living with Down syndrome. One new tool is trying to change that
4: i want work.
10: <laughs> Me too. Employable has just been launched by the Canadian Down Syndrome Society to connect job seekers and employers who may not realize all these candidates have to offer.
8: Reliable, you know, they, they're low absenteeism. And these are all business cases where there is data to support this, that, you know, people with Down syndrome contribute as much or as more as other team
7: members.
10: For Jessica, it's about being seen. And recognized.
7: I want people to know that I am a confident young woman who is rocking life.
10: Andrew Brennan, CTV News It's a great story. All right, a lot of people tracking that
2: snowstorm.
8: Yeah, lots of snow on the way for some parts of southern Ontario. Not so much here in the GTA, but we'll take a look at where we are expecting it. So let's take a look first at what we're expecting in terms of temperature over the next little while. Definitely cooler. Right now we're sitting at minus one, feeling like or one degree, feeling like minus four, and we do have flurries through the area, snow to the southwest of us, definitely, and to the south of us. It's uh, these snow squall warnings that are or watches, I should say, that are a concern. Anywhere between fifteen and sixteen. centimeters of snow between tonight and Sunday in these intermittent squalls that will set up through the weekend. So be aware of that if you're out on the roads. Tomorrow, a high of two with flurries, minus two for Saturday, minus one for Sunday.
2: All right. Thank you, Michelle. Be sure to join Sandy Ronaldo tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 11.30.
1: In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca.
2: For Michelle Jobin and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.
16: Good night.
4: That is spectacular.
16: Look at that, 70,000 lights.